Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods market enjoy welcome back i have brianna Sachs joining me on the podcast today brianna thanks so much for taking some time to chat yeah thanks for uh, inviting me and glad that we're in the the same state <laughs> finally and we've got to get a run together at some point um <laughs> so the mic the mic is turned around today normally you're doing uh you're doing the interviewing and, and questioning so um Let's kick it off with with a question. Who is Brianna? That's that is a good question. I should should do my uh, interviews starting like this way as well. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a ultra runner and reporter who just moved to Denver a few months ago from LA and just figuring it out. I work for BuzzFeed News and I. Um, cover everything. So when I'm not like ultra running, I'm, I'm doing ultra reporting is, is <laughs> what I would describe as. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you've covered some, some interesting, interesting uh, world events in the last few weeks, but um, the, the story of how we met is like my favorite, favorite part about the trail and ultra community. We were at um, a shakeout run for, North Face 50 in 2019, and it was Justin Grunewald's birthday. And I don't remember exactly how we got connected, but you mentioned that um, you were friends with Rob Crar and you'd heard about Inside Tracker, and we were best friends from that moment on. That's, yeah, that's right. I was there doing some social media for the race. So I was, I totally, I was so intimidated at that run. I was like, oh my gosh, I like have no idea how I got here and how I'm running with these people, but okay. And I mean, to, to yeah. set the stage, to set the stage <laughs> a little bit, it was like Brianna, myself, and like eight professional runners. <laughs> yeah. I, a lot of, I didn't even know a lot of them too. That was like the worst part. Like <laughs> I was, I was doing strides next to like, um, next to someone and I, I like found out later she's like a professional runner who like goes on I think to win the 50 miler and I was like yeah Wang. Okay. <laughs> yeah yes yes um so I think that's probably why I was yeah I think we got there were donuts involved and we started talking <laughs> and uh, and I was like as I'm eating a donut I'm probably like I really yeah I totally was working on my nutrition that's yeah <laughs> that's, that's something I need to get better at <laughs> Um, yeah, it was fascinating. It was, uh, I mean, that run was beautiful. We went to, I forget the name of the trail, but it was, it was in Marin and it ran to the ocean and, uh, it was on the, I think it was on the, the 50 mile yeah, it was, course. Uh, it was part on, part on the course. Um, I think it was yeah. like mile like 25 
aid station is where it started. Yes. And it was, so it was Justin Greenwald's birthday, um, Mario Frioli, Billy Yang, Sally McRae, um, Eo Wang, who, yes, she won the race, uh, and a handful of others. And and then you, me, and like one other guy who, who were just like, like hanging out and like trying not to get dropped on a, on a, yeah. on a Friday morning shakeout. Um, right. But, um, but I think, and, and that's like, talk about things that we miss. Like that's the, that's the community and that's the piece that I miss most in 2020 and 2021. So hopefully, hopefully that vibe can come back at some point, but um, enough uh, lamenting on, on, on times past, but lamenting um, reminiscing. reminiscing is a better word. Yes. Um, so to take it back a few steps or strides, um, do you remember your first run? Wow. My first run. So I like my first race or like just first ever, like I'm running and it's just happening. My body is doing this. Oh my God. Terrible, but amazing. That kind of run. That kind of run. I, yeah. I mean, I played soccer in, in high school and to train for that, my friend and I, we would run two miles on the track every day to train for our like our tryouts. And I remember feeling like that was like the longest thing in the world. Um, but I, I loved it. I like craved and hated it at the same time. And looking back at how I got into running, I, I really started running probably pretty seriously when I was like 25. So, and everyone's like, who is that? Like, how the hell did you get into this? And I was like, I don't know. It just kind of came out of nowhere. But thinking back and like looking back, it, it didn't really. I always really liked being in motion and uh, loved running, especially in trails. I just never really like did it, did it. So also I, I, I tried to pick it up more in college and I randomly like signed up for a half marathon, um, the San Francisco half. And I was just kind of like that, you know, average beginner runner who was on the treadmill like I'd finished three miles and felt like I, I don't know, at whatever pace, like nine minutes and like thought I would just conquered something and also just couldn't wait to get off. So, so I, I think about like back to high school, I think is my first run, but, um, it, it definitely built over time for sure. And why'd you keep doing it? Why did I keep doing it? I, I have this fascination with it, I think. And there were those blips when I was running where I felt clarity. And for me, what was interesting is I battled a lot of like performance anxiety and self-doubt my whole life, like with, especially with athletics, I was always just super shy and never thought I could do it. And, uh, I had that way with running too, even with my teens and, and early twenties where I, I would get an- anxious about running with other people. Cause I thought they would be so much faster than me. And I, I think I just like really wanted to conquer that fear and anxiety and like conquer myself in a way. So, and at the same time, I, I think I learned that my body really loved it. I, I just didn't know it at the time because I was so in my head about how freaked out I was that like I couldn't do it as I was doing it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think it's like one of those things where, 
you want to like prove to yourself that you can do it. So you just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Proved. And then once I would do it, like I remember finishing that half marathon and it was like, I felt like, um, I, I don't know, like it just another version of, of myself. And that was so empowering. And, uh, and just like the concept that I ran 13 miles, right? Like that to me at that time was like, I, like I didn't know anyone who'd run that far. Um, so it's like, well, the, what can I do? What can I do next? And so I kind of kept chasing it, but still struggling with this anxiety about it for a few more years until I hit 25. And that's where things like just really started to click. Do you remember the specific feelings at that finish line? At the San Francisco one? Yeah. Uh shock um pride elation um yeah disbelief i think and at the and 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 just lightness i felt just so light and i i remember that like nothing could kind of touch me in that moment how how has your how has that carried on into what you're doing now? You've you just set an FKT, you've run 50 miles, you've run, you know, some pretty long distances. Do you still have that sort of like um I don't want to say like innocence or naivety when it comes to it's just like a I can't like put a I yeah, I you get know what I'm saying talk, like just yeah, just like the like, holy shit, I just kind of yeah. did this thing. My body could still yeah. did, do this. Totally. I, I think I it's mixed now because, I mean, I've as I said, I really started running trails, I think, when I was like 26. So I've done quite a few 50 milers. I've done 100K. I've done 100 miler. But that to me feels like so long ago because we've had like this period of, of no racing. So I think it's like I'm getting back into this belief that I could actually do these things. And while at the same time, like looking myself at, looking at myself in a, in a different way, like, okay, I, I, can I still do it, but I'm taking it more seriously, right? Like I'm, I'm treating myself more of an athlete, more as an athlete than before I would just kind of show up and like, hope I would finish situation. Mm-hmm. So I think like, yes, I, I do have that, that kind of like shock and awe with, with running still. And, and that what's interesting is like the fear and anxiety came back about it in 2019. Like I went a few years where I really didn't have those feelings anymore. And when I was running, it was mostly like, you know, I was freaking out and like, how am I going to do this? But it wasn't this like overwhelming kind of anxiety performance wise, um, that, that came back kind of when I was older, so I've been kind of like getting refamiliarized with with that and, and also learning to how to face that at like with all the like experience under my belt. And like I think that like, you know, the mind with running is the most fascinating and frustrating thing for me. <laughs> Cause yeah, you I just never know like what direction it, it's it's gonna go. Yeah, I think I think that's the part that I find the most fascinating and it's it is why I started this podcast because I think that anybody can run a marathon, but I don't think that anybody can run a 100 miler and you have to be in this headset or mindset and and mental place of like curiosity, like can I do it? Can I um can I finish? Where like yeah. I said, anyone can run a marathon if you put in the work 
you can do it. You can you can complete it. You might not race it, but you can right. you can run it. Um, and I think that the mental aspect of ultra running, particularly the longer stuff, um, is fascinating. So I'm curious um, if you felt that empowerment, you felt that that um, passion and and like feeling of life at the finish line of your first half marathon. How do you keep that going with your longer running and racing and FKT attempts and whatnot so that you can put yourself in a position to have a good day? Uh, I think it's, I mean, this sounds terrible, but a lot of the times I start these finish lines and I have so much, I'm so incredulous and like, I have so much self doubt, even if it's a distance I've run before that I can, that I can do it. So it's kind of this journey with every race and every run, like every mile confronting um, myself. And and when I overcome like those hurdles in my own body and like my own being, um, when I get to the finish line, it makes it just so much sweeter, I guess, because it's kind of like, not only has it been this physically arduous endurance event, it's also for me kind of like, this kind of battle within myself of like, who am I really as a, as a runner and who do, who do I think I am kind of trying to do this versus like the core of myself who knows that I can do this and who knows that I can, can do it well. And like when I finished the FKT, like I, I, I think that's honestly like one of the proudest and like just like warmest feelings about myself that I've ever had because I just, I knew that I really like, I don't know that I just like really put it out there. And at the same time, like I didn't, I wasn't like dead at the end and, and it, and I had stopped 10 days earlier because my hit was hurting, but it was a lot of it mentally. Like I just freaked out and like, didn't think I could even finish the race or the, the run. And I wasn't even going for the FKT. I just wanted to finish the backbone, which is that it's about 68 miles. So I, I stopped at, at, at mile 48 and I was just devastated. Like I was so sad that I had taken that away from myself. And, uh, I knew in that moment, like in my bones, that this is something that I really wanted to give to myself. And I was the only person really standing in the way of it. So when I finished it the second time, like 10 days later, it was like, doubly sweet because I had kind of come back to battle my myself. And I, and I think then that was like the most important thing. And so not only did I, I battle myself and I, I, I overcame, you know, whatever I was going through, but I also set a new record, which was something that like, I didn't, that wasn't really the goal of it. Um, but it just was kind of confirming what I can do once I kind of let my own, walls down and, and am able to just click in with, with who I am as a runner. I love that. Um, I think the, the, the finish of at, you know, before 50 and then having that stoke the fire for 10 days later to, to light it up and, and not just complete it, but do it faster than anybody else is awesome. (laughs) Where did that come from? Where did the, um, of course, where did the the desire to do something like that come from? To do backbone? Yeah. I, so I was thinking about this, this too, and it was, it's 
a point to point starts in the, uh, I don't know if you know the area, but the Palisades at Will Rogers and ends like on the outskirts of, of Malibu. So I grew up out there and I, I mean, I obviously didn't know about the the trails at the time because I wasn't running, but it, it's just always been this, this thing that I wanted to do. And, uh, I also covered the fires um, in 2018 in, that really ripped through those mountains, the Woolsey fire and ripped through the home where I grew up. So that was like another thing. It's just like those mountains have, have gone through a lot and like I've seen what they've, they've endured and that was traumatizing. And then also my first ever 50 K that like my, that, that got me hooked on running trails um, and ultras was Ray Miller. And that's like around that area. And the first race I ever won, which was the Ray Miller 50 miler was also in that area. So it just was this thing that it meant a lot. And it's also just a bitch. Like it's like, it, it doesn't see, it's just like exposed and it's, it's rolling and it's just like, it's a feat. So I had been mulling over the idea, but I didn't think that it was something I could pull off. And in July, my coach planted the seed. He was like, so like, what's the FKT for a, uh, for the, the backbone women. And we, we looked it up and, and Darcy, like this you know, professional runner had it. And I was like, hell no, like, LOL. There's no way that, that, that I could pull that off. Um, and then my, one of my best friends, her name's Mac Macintosh. Oh, I think like, I forget mid December. She, I think this might've happened. But she didn't tell anyone and she was, she'd been training for the unsupported, which is just talk about mental game, like a whole other level of, of like, just, I was like, I don't even know how I would do something like that. So she went out and set the FKT for women's unsupported. And I was like, holy shit, if Mac could go out without anybody and do this, like, after coming off an injury, I'm like, what the hell, like, what am I afraid of? Like, I've, I've run. I've been training, like I let's put this to like put these miles somewhere. And so I literally <laughs> this is like the most brief thing. I got back to LA and then we'd been thinking about it, but like put it off the table. And then I texted my coach and I was like, I have a really dumb but kind of awesome idea. Like, <laughs> what if I did backbone in like a week? And he was like, This is this is so stupid. Yes, of course, let's do it. So I like threw it together. I my like texted people to help me literally like 24 hours before I was supposed to go do the thing. Uh, and that's how it, that's how it came to, to be. It, it was a very Brie like, um, like kind of thrown together, but it, 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 but it worked out. That is awesome. What, what were you thinking of, uh, as you were lining up to get it started? Um, I was nervous as hell. Like the first time I felt totally unprepared and stupid and like stressed, which is, I, and then I had to remind myself because I, I don't know about you, but like, I forgot that those were normal feelings Yeah. before you put yourself through something. Like it's been so long, right. That like we've towed the line at something that we're afraid of. And I had to remind myself that this is, this is a good thing. This is like, you know, I'm about to get out of my comfort zone and that's like an important process. So the first time um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I, I'm not good with like logistics or like planning these things. And like this requires planning in terms of where a crew would pick me up and 
how much calories I should be taking. So I, I totally screwed up the calories and everything the first time. But but the second time, it was, I, I kind of was like, the less is more. I, I'm like, I don't really need to over plan. Like, this is kind of what I need to be taking. Just show up at these spots and like, let's just, and let, let's just kind of run and then not overthink it. So I, uh, so the second time was definitely better. And I don't know about you, but I also really discovered the power of visualization, which I had never really done before with running or races. I don't know if that's something that you practice mentally. Yeah. So, um, for that race that we met at, that was, that was a, a tactic I used in training. Um, I, I visualized during hard workouts, I visualized myself running over the Golden Gate Bridge into the finish line um, wow. of that 50K. And so in the moment of doing something hard, I thought about the outcome of all of these miles and, and workouts that would get me to that point. And I, I find it to be um, really powerful. And I've heard from a lot of athletes that do something similar. They visualize themselves on the start line or they visualize themselves um, you know, leading a pace group or, or, you know, in control and doing something that, that makes them happy and makes them feel empowered as a way to get through something that's challenging. Hmm. Yeah. I, the control thing I think is big because a lot of like, that's, I think the scariest part for me is feeling like I would be out of control us type a personalities. Uh, I'm ty- I'm a type A asterisk because I I'm like totally disorganized, so I'm not real. I'm real type A. <laughs> me, me too. Um, yeah, I, like I like I'm a faux type A. But uh, so <laughs> the the visualization is not something I'd ever done before, and and I just and I don't know why, but after doing the the first time, it was all I could think about. Like it was like this had sunk into me in such a profound way that I was just thinking about this trail all the time and visualizing myself going over these, uh, you know, going up these switchbacks and and like knowing which hill was going to suck and like just thinking about it all the time. And that was really big for me. Like that was kind of, uh, I think something that I'm so happy I went through the, the first time as heartbreaking as it was, because it really showed me how to, how the, how like my mind can be really, difficult and, uh, and holds me back, but at the same time, like can really, once I learn how to harness it, like is, it can be a very powerful tool. And, um, so now that's something like we said with the hard workouts, like I also freak out about hard workouts. So I will definitely like now try and, and do that picking a race or something, um, that I'm focused on and, and thinking about it while I'm also crying on the inside. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, <laughs> I talk about control. Um, what I find to be really empowering and effective is um, in the moment thinking that we get to do this and we choose yeah. to put ourselves in this position. Um, I've talked a little bit about it on this podcast in the past, but not not in a while, where um, 2019 was one of the hardest years of my life um, personally, um, going through a breakup and losing my grandfather, like in a very short period of time. And at the same time, I was crushing workouts like never before. And it led to a 20 minute PR in the marathon. And I was just like, I was so consistent in running and so 
so like brutal on the life side that I would look at these workouts as choosing pain and being in control of the pain and and being able to say, okay, I've got eight by three minutes at um, fast effort. This is going to hurt and the seventh and eighth reps are going to feel like, you know, death, but I get to do this. And it's like I'm I'm having flashbacks to that one workout where I it was on the sixth rep and I said out loud, I get to do this. This is going to fucking hurt. Let's go. And it's like reframing the um, the the stress and the discomfort into something positive and controllable that I found to be like wildly empowering, particularly when you have no control over what's going on in your life at the time. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I, I so admire these athletes who, cause I don't view myself as this way. And I, I, maybe I just need to reframe in general, but I don't view myself as someone who's like good at running into pain, even though I do all that's why my coach was like, are you on drug? Like the, you like ultras? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I was like, I think that that's like, it's like a, it's like a buildup of pain versus like these, these fast things that, that freak me out. But, um, yeah, the getting to do that, that, that was, that was big too. And I, the, like when the life is really brutal, um, I tend to sometimes let that seep into my, my running and, uh, I'd like to learn and get, and get better at, at trying to actually harness the emotional and, you know, mental taxation or pain or whatever I'm going through and and use it as, as fuel. I think that that I'm always so inspired when I, when I read stories like that, and I've had it in a few instances, but I would love to, to get better at doing that. So I think it's an, like, it's an interesting topic, right? Like enjoying pain. I did a podcast with Sabrina Little, who is a professional runner, um, and philosopher and and i was like you are the perfect combination for a guest on this podcast like talk to me about the why and the like the mental philosophy you take to to you know locking in and enjoying pain and she's like i don't enjoy pain nobody likes pain it's painful um i was like oh okay that's interesting um and and so her her take on it was it's about the like how much can you get out of yourself and huh. how how good can you be versus like how much can you endure and how much can you hurt and it's it's more about the um sort of like ad-libbing her her answer here but it's more about the like where does your mind go and where does your body go when things get difficult is it is it something that you know, you back into a corner and that's that, or you rise to the occasion and, and push on. And I think that, I think that it's, it's a slippery slope because once you go one way or the other, that's all you'll ever be, or that's, it's easier to continue in that direction. I forget who said it once, but they said, once you DNF once, it's easier to DNF the second time. And once you, you know, persevere through something hard it's easier to persevere through something hard 
a second time. And then that has carryover into life as well. Yeah, that, that, that was a big, uh, lesson for me. 2019, um, was also really hard. I, I mean, 2018 to, to the end of 2018 through 2019, I just really burned out. And I, I didn't also really understand how much trauma affects the body if we don't deal with it. <laughs> and just my, I can kind of push and go, go. And my, my work during those, those years, um, you know, I covered like five or six wildfires, um, hurricanes, like a lot of Trump rallies, uh, a lot of school shootings. And I would just go from one thing to the, to the next and also pushing myself on running and just not sleeping enough and like not eating the way I should be. And just was like living my, one of my best friends, Derek, he's like, you just like to burn the candle at both ends. And I had this kind of invincibility complex. And then after I got back from covering paradise fire in, uh, in like, I think that was, yeah, the end of 2018, um, I just couldn't get out of, I couldn't get out of bed and I was like, what's wrong with me? I just like, couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. And, um, I had realized I like just burnt out. And after that, that's kind of when my fear and anxiety came back with, with the running. And, um, I, DNF'd almost every race I signed up for in 2019. And it was like, as you said, this slippery slope. And, uh, but one thing I noticed about myself is like every time I would DNF, like I wanted, I realized like how much I wanted it and I would come back and, and, and try it again. And usually I would do really well. Like that, that race that we met at the North face, I actually DNF that one at mile 25, like the exact same spot where we met and did the, uh, that shakeout run. Cause I was just freaking out that there's no way I could do what I wanted to do, even though I'd run that race like two or three times. Um, and I, I was so devastated that I, I signed up for the Ray Miller 50, the like two weeks later. And, uh, I went back and I, you know, I was running and it was like the same kind of like I kind of describe it as like a claw, like that just comes into my brain and just like takes hold of, of everything. And I actually was, you know, running and I ended up having this like conversation out loud with myself. And I'm like, if anyone was here seeing me, they would like think I was absolutely crazy. But I kind of like gave the voice like a name and was just having this conversation with it. And um, I ended up winning that that race. And that was like the first race that I had ever won. And so again, like talking back, like circling back to that, kind of like what fuels us to keep going at these finish lines is, is, is just that the knowing that I like didn't give up, even though, you know, I was dealing with the same kind of mountains, um, in my, in my mind that had made me quit like two weeks earlier. So I would kind of do this pattern of, of like quitting and like taking these opportunities away from myself. Um, and then, and then like just coming back and, and putting myself right back into, into it and, and, and forcing myself to, to, to just get through it. And, and again, like reminding myself that I want to do this and there's a reason why I keep chasing this and, and trying to, I don't know, do put myself through, through this pain. And I think it is because I do have a fascination with, with trying to like be more comfortable with pain and like 
see what really lies beneath uh, the the disbelief, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I have, <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of questions on <laughs> where are we going to go first. Um, yeah. I have a lot of questions on the the like how your job plays into this and what you know what yeah. the stuff that you've seen and and reported on um i you know for those that don't follow brianna on instagram i highly recommend it um she's done some incredible reporting from trump rallies and um washington dc and and all uh all across the country and like really like getting into like really getting into like the core of the issue and talking to people on both sides of the aisle and, and putting a, a human voice behind the dissent that's happening and, and the um, disagreement. And like, honestly, like I've been scared for you, like watching some of this stuff <laughs> unfold. And I like message you often, like, Oh my God, like, please be careful. This is terrifying. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah. Like, so I can't imagine like dealing with that, firsthand if it's like giving me trauma watching it through Instagram. But I want to dive back into um into that race that you won and mm-hmm. and maybe unpack a little bit about where did that self-talk or internal conversation come from and why do you think you ran so strong on that day? Uh I ran and I ran strong because I'd been putting in the work and that's another thing. I think I, I just, I'm really hard on myself. I think like most athletes are, and I just didn't realize that I had it in me to that, that like all those miles and that I had been, it was my first time really getting coaching. Like my, my, I, I work with this amazing guy named Justin Torres and I realized I had never really trained before. Like he taught me how to, to train. Um, and, So that I I was, I just was prepared. And like, I think I just like, didn't believe that I, or I didn't, didn't trust my own body and, uh, the self-talk I, after the 2018, like 2019, um, burnout, I finally decided to start going to therapy and I, I, I covered the El Paso shooting. And it was after that, I like went to a music festival and I just, couldn't feel anything. And I just was getting it. Like, I I just like, didn't uh, some of my behavior, I was just getting concerned about. And I, I was just like, I, and I, we just don't talk about it as much. We're getting better in the industry. Um, and a lot of my journalism friends were like, how have you not seen a therapist? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't, do you guys see therapists? And they were like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I started going to therapy in the summer of 2019. And that's where the self-talk, like that, she taught me how to, how to do that. And, and, and like, once we give these very overwhelming, seemingly overpowering parts of ourself, like a, a name and make them something more tangible, like it becomes easier to quell them. So, so I kind of had that, like this really like crazy, as I said, like I probably looked 
crazy, but like moment with myself, like running down this foggy trail, like try not to eat shit <laughs> on Ray Miller, like talking to this random, you know, person voice that I had. And then thank God I met another runner. Cause I was like, Oh my God, another human I could actually talk to is <laughs> not my own brain. Um, <laughs> and like, I, yeah, I like was, yeah, he was great. And we, we got each other through this, like this terrible climb, but that was, um, you know, it's all, I just look at it, like all like lessons in, in who we are. Right. And, and like having the tools, uh, continuing to, to acquire tools and add them to the toolbox and then remember how to use them. And so once I was able to kind of realize that I was going to, what is going to finish this race. And not only that, I found out at like mile 30 that I was like this, the first female, it was just like, I kind of clicked into a different place in myself that where I first discovered that I really loved and and was good at ultra running was that I can just kind of click in and like zone out and that beautiful feeling of just going um, and not really realizing how that time is passing is, is, is what I think is my favorite part of, of running, but like getting to be in that, like just really in the, the grains of, uh, of yourself, um, that that's how I was able to kind of like get through it and, 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 and win. That's awesome. I think the piece there that's potentially understated and, um, I talk about it all the time on the podcast and on social media is the therapy aspect. I think that mm-hmm. um, it's no surprise that um, your breakthrough, we could call it, happened after that. Um, it was the same for me. I started seeing a therapist in 2018. Yeah. And 2019 was my best year of running ever. And yeah, that is an interesting connection. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of people will say, oh, running is therapy. I'll, you know, die on the hill of running is not therapy. Uh, running is therapeutic, um, but it is not therapy. And if if you disagree with that, please challenge me on it. Um, like I, I said, I think it is it is therapy, but like it is until we we like we're we're not really understanding. I think what therapy is, and yeah, uh, yeah like for because I used it as therapy too. I, I used running for so many things where I really should maybe, I don't like the word saying should or shouldn't, but I, I made it a lot of things in, in my life. And so when it wasn't going well, you know, that, that was adding more stress or more self deprecating behavior. But I think we get to this point too, where like, and it's not a bad thing that happens. I think it's like an, a clarifying thing where we soften and things affect us more and they penetrate deeper And I used to think that that was like a sign of weakness that like, there's something wrong with me that I was feeling these things, or I couldn't get myself to do this 12 mile hill workout because I had had a really shitty life event happen and and like, what the hell, like, and then realizing that those things are so intertwined. I think that's just like been like getting older and, and, and wiser. And I've, I've noticed that like the therapy has helped me soften at this and while at the same time, like giving me calluses, um, enabling me to kind of like kind of keep going if it you know if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense i think that it it gives you the ability to um persevere in in a different way um i yeah so i started seeing a therapist in 2018 and then in 2020 given covid and everything and whatnot i started doing it once a week and 
it like totally changed my approach and my experience and um yeah I, it's something that i wish everybody could have access to and it's just like it's ridiculous that um we don't all have access to it um so there there are resources i've mentioned uh, bigger than the trail before um not a sponsored plug by any means uh, bigger than the trail is a an organization that seeks to bring therapy uh, for free to people who are runners and uh, need it. And so if if you've um, looked into therapy, but your insurance doesn't cover it or, you know, it's not accessible for whatever reason, check them out. Um, they they intend to um, bridge that gap and, and make it possible. Yeah, I actually had to stop seeing mine um, just because of find, you know, just juggling at life and, and moving and finances and stuff. I was like, and I, it shouldn't be the thing that I kind of put on the, the back burner, but you know, sometimes life happens. And so it's, it's, uh, something I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting back to yes. when, I, when I can. For sure. Um, so switching gears to something that you've referenced and we've talked a little bit about, um, let's talk about your job. Let's talk about, um, let's do it. <laughs> talk to me about Buzzfeed and what you're doing. Um, with reporting all across the country? Yeah. So I've been with BuzzFeed for about five and a half years and I've had quite a few roles there. I, I now, um, a like national, like, uh, kind of investigative reporter and I cover just kind of whatever they throw at me. And my passion is covering disasters and, you know, climate change fuel disasters and how they impact vulnerable communities. And so moving to Colorado, that's uh, just with like climate change and, and fires. I'm, I'm just really interested in um, that is something that I kind of want to lean into. I also, again, as you said, like cover a lot of the extremism and um, you know, tr- the, like kind of the new Trumpian political world that has emerged. I am been yeah I've, I've been to more trump rallies than i can count all over in play, like rural areas of michigan and california arizona uh i love to travel and like, talk to people and you're right sometimes it, it can be really um draining and 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 can be a lot what are some of the the things you've learned at some of those places uh i've learned the how inspiring humanity can be like in these disasters, for example, are uh, covered, you know, I've taken people um, b- b- who've lost everything like back to their homes to sift through the ash and rubble and they have a moment and then they kind of turn around and a lot of people will go back and, and volunteer in their own community. And the people who come to these areas to try and rebuild it like all the organizations like for free um like jose andreas uh, um world central kitchen they're at every disaster they were at the inauguration like um feeding people just so in like the kind of the worst most heartbreaking stories there's like just this this like collective desire to help people so so that's why i love covering them um on the other side, when I go to these these rallies and I you know I talk to to Trump supporters, um, there's a whole scale and a, and a mat- mishmash of, of of people 
And I think that that's the thing to remember is a lot of the time that these people are people and they have jobs and they have kids like, you know, they've, they've got, they just want to be able to put food on the table and they believe that, you know, that the former president, like that was the person to, to do that for them. And with all this, just the online Facebook communities, I think just like we forget that like a lot of the people at these, these, you know, these, these, these events that they're, they're just people who uh, have their, they just want to be seen and heard and they're afraid of not getting to be, to retire. And so I think it's like, that's been just really eye opening to me is, is looking at like people are like, how did we get here? And it's like, well, like s- systemically, like these people have felt left out or um, like not good enough or for whatever, you know, that they've leaned into these, these worlds and talking to one another is really big. I've definitely been at events where, you know, I don't like using the like both sides kind of like terminology, but, you know, people from other opposite ends of the spectrum have gone at it and had conversations and I've like recorded them and uh, they can be very petrifying and terrifying. And at the same time, like they, sometimes these people get somewhere and it's pretty amazing. And you're like, man, if we could just do this at mass scale, like we wouldn't really be where, where we are. So I don't know. I think being on the ground in places that like, you know, we don't think we understand or that make us uncomfortable, like just like running, like putting yourself out of your comfort zone and talking with others who you think you're, you'll hate or won't agree with is really important. I love that so much. I think I've, I've watched a number of these conversations occur again through your, through your Instagram and, and there was one, um, I don't remember exactly where it was, but, um, you were, you were speaking with, um, a black Trump supporter who was explaining why he felt left out and why he felt like he needed to support what he was supporting and then showing the dialogue on the other side. And, and it was just fascinating to see like the, the why behind something that feels like it's an example of cognitive dissonance. Like how could that be possible? Um, and, and then seeing how it is possible. Um, and ahead of the election, I, I was challenging my followers on social media who were either undecided or, or, you know, wanted to vote one way or another that was different than how I wanted to vote. Like I asked some questions and, um, it was just fascinating to, to understand how, um, women could vote for him or how, you know, these, these experiences that, that intuitively don't make sense. Um, how, how it, how it became possible. And then, you know, I, I had this conversation maybe a dozen times and people, people were approaching it. Like I want to change my mind, but I can't. And it was people like who wanted to change their mind about who they were voting for or like change their mind about people. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, a woman who was, who, who voted for Trump in the past and who wanted to vote for him, who or who was planning to vote for him again or not vote, um, but really didn't want to. 
and was asking for help essentially like like how do i rectify having a female vice president how do i rectify having a person of color in the in in the highest office um when all my life i've been taught that that's wrong huh. um and having this conversation with her was her and several others who said the exact same thing um it was fascinating and and so much of it is just ingrained for religious reasons or um patriarchal reasons or any of these like really really ingrained like taught to you from the beginning um it's fascinating like i grew up in a i don't want to say like sheltered environment but like upper middle class i didn't really have to deal with anything and um this it's like opened my eyes to like or or you know talking with people all across the country and different socioeconomic statuses and whatnot and like there's so much out there beyond our own little bubbles and i think that you you hit the nail on the head the only way out of this is to have conversations and to talk with people who are different than you and who you probably disagree with and um, don't want to agree with even or think they're wrong um we're never going to get anywhere unless we can at least begin to understand the other side. Yeah. The tribe mentality is, is really strong. And also realizing like how afraid people are to go outside of, of that. Right. Or like lose their identity. Like we're, raised and like yes we develop who we are as we get older but a, a lot of who we are is because of how we're raised in the places we, we come from and america is really fucking complicated and 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 messy and and starkly different and so and a lot of people like don't leave the places where they grew up you know that's another thing is it's yeah. it's it's like this is exactly like you were saying like it's ingrained and um around them, things are changing like really fast. Like so many industries have just fallen apart and you have these like kind of, you know, these main streets with so many shops boarded up and people are barely hanging on and that's terrifying. And the, you know, the country's changing and people are afraid of, of that. And so that was just like, another thing is I try and have some empathy and compassion for like, you know, yeah, like they've lived, their way of, you know, certain ways. And they haven't, you know, maybe left this place that all of a sudden is crumbling around them. And, and, uh, they have a family and they don't know what to do. They can't afford to move or X, Y, Z. And, and that must be really terrifying. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's tough. And like, I'm so fascinated by what's going to happen, like in the midterms and like the country just kind of like swings, you know, back, back and forth, but at, like just bringing it back to, um, you know, my, my job and then just trying to, to cover that. And sometimes I go back and forth. I'm like, do I even want to be doing this? This is like, this is really mentally and emotionally exhausting. And like, what, like I could just totally find something else and like live in a bubble and like not really have to be so on the, the front lines with it. And maybe I'd be happier in, as a person, I, I don't really know, but I am like, I do feel like a calling, to 
to do it. Just like with, with running, it's just something that like I continuously am, am drawn to. Yeah. I love that. I, I mean, I think it's like, it's hard work, but it's important work. So thank you for doing it first of all. And do you think you'd be satisfied with something that's, you know, a, a little more, um, Easy? I, I don't think so. I, so I think like, I like doing hard. My mom asked me this too. She, you know, she was like, I worry about your, cause she's like, you're actually like a really sensitive, like emotional person. I don't know if you remember this because you're probably dead inside at this point, but, uh, you know, like, do you feel anything anymore? But, um, I, I really like doing hard things. And I have this belief that we are put on this planet to kind of like ring ourselves what we have, like continuously break ourselves down and rebuild, right? Like figure out what's rest, rest, repeat. Yes, exactly. Like do hard things, like live hard and like, like have no regrets, like know what you're made out of. And so I don't think I, and I also am really passionate about telling people's stories and especially people who are, are suffering. And I, I think that that is something that like, I, that satisfies me. Like, I feel like purposeful when I'm doing that. And so, yeah, yeah even though if it, even though it's hard, like at the same time, like it might drain and fill my cup simultaneously. So at the same, so I really didn't lose anything. I started, <laughs> I'm like, my baseline is kind of always, you know, but learning how to like recover myself, um, and refill my reserves has been something like in my later, I'm 31, like that I had to f- figure out, like, otherwise I, I, I mean, I was falling apart. Like I, 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 I needed to figure it out. I had to swallow my pride and be like, Oh, I'm not invincible. Like I can't go cover a fire for a week and then like go show up to trans Rockies three days later and do that. Like that was dumb. I can't be dumb anymore. And uh, so I think having like the respect and compassion for myself has been something that I've learned. And that like, sometimes if you lie in bed all day, that's okay. I had a, I've struggled with that my whole life. Like I, I, I just did, I'm not really great at, at resting and recovering. Um, and, and, and I think that that's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. What do you do to, um, as you said, refill your cup? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, being in, in nature is really big for me. And like, sometimes I've gotten, I've like, I'm, I'm going to make a really bad dad joke, but I've been sleeping on sleep. Like I like just didn't realize like, wow, sleeping for a long time. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. What have I been doing? So letting myself sleep has been major. Like for some reason, ever since moving to Colorado, like I just wanted to sleep a lot more than I ever have. And I was really beating myself up about it. It was like, why can't like my alarm would go off at like six, six thirty, and I would wake up and it'd be like eight, eight thirty, and I, like constantly, and like just yeah. kind of owning and accepting that like I just feel my body wants to sleep right now, and that's okay. So that's been something that um, is like extremely basic, but I just really just didn't figure that out until <laughs> until now. And then uh, just being on the couch and reading, reading and writing. I have creative writing is is is, is big for me. That's awesome. I feel you on the, um, being in nature. Um, last, last weekend I spent, I don't know, seven hours outdoors, like on trails and whatnot. And I, I woke up Monday morning with like 
a feeling that I hadn't felt in a year. Like, let's fucking go. It's Monday morning. It's 6 a.m. <laughs> like, I'm working East Coast hours. It's 6 a.m. I'm ready to go. Like, get at me, world. And and that it was, was 100%. Yeah, it was 100% due to um, being in nature and, like, shutting my brain off for a couple of days. Um, and I think that we're in this culture of, like, work, work, work. And the busier you are, yeah. the more successful you are. And I ran myself into the ground twice in 2020 and mm -hmm. like had to pull back dramatically on a few things. And I think that to get anywhere at anything, you just have to be consistent versus like work overworking or, or overtraining um, to put it, to put it as a running analogy, like that doesn't get you success and that doesn't get you long-term growth. So I think it's yeah. a, it's an astute reminder Yes, don't sleep on sleep. Um, do do sleep on sleep. I don't know. Dad jokes are always welcome yes. around here. Um, so uh, very cool. I I could talk about this topic for for another hour, but um, I too. <laughs> so I guess my my last question is um, bringing it back to running a little bit, since I guess this is a running podcast. This is a running podcast. All. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, about it's that. A, it's a much. running. Running meets life podcast. And it's, yes. you know, the intent is like, yes. how do we learn from running and apply it to life? Um, but what do you know now besides the value of sleep uh, that you wish you knew when you started running? Hmm. That. Trust, I think. Um, my One of my favorite concepts is like we're powerful beyond measure. And we want so much to know and be in control and like have everything kind of like planned out and, you know, with, with running. And uh, I I learned that, that like even when you're th – you think like – or even when I thought I was in my, my weakest – most vulnerable or, you know, something that I, in a state that I just would view as, as negative, I was actually doing, performing my, my best. And, um, because in my brain, I think I was comparing myself to, to something, to some measurement that I, that wasn't even really true. And I wasn't trusting my own power. And, uh, so that's what I, I try and remind myself is that like, I'm, I'm powerful, beyond measure, even though that, and that's scary. That's like, you know, that's, that's, that's the ego whole fascination with the ego, but that's something I think that I you know, that I've, that I've learned. Um, it, it, is that, if that, if that makes sense is learning that we can remove these, these measurements and, um, and, and trust what, what happens after we do that. I love that. Um, very cool. So if we're not follow for those who aren't following you on social, where can we find you? Oh, I am at Brie, B-R-I, Saxy, S-A-C-K-S-Y. And then on Twitter, which is my way more boring, like professional account is Brie, uh, at Brie underscore Sax. Awesome. We'll hope to see you on a mountain or trail or yes. something somewhere soon. We have, to, Don't worry. <laughs> we have to make that happen. Um, yeah. 
we're we're only a couple hours away. So I know. Uh, sounds good. All right. Cool. Well, well, it's good to talk. Thanks to so you. much. Likewise. Yeah. Talk to you later. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.